In this episode of Ottawa Business Journal's Behind the Headlines, Ottawa drops off the top 10 list for venture capital investments, local companies wrestle with mandatory vaccine policies, and a veteran tech executive gives his prognosis on the state of tech in Ottawa. All this and more coming up right now. Behind the Headlines is brought to you by Nelligan Law, Ottawa's fierce, proven, and human law firm. Visit them at nelliganlaw.ca. Hello and welcome to Behind the Headlines for the week of August 30th. I'm Michael Kern from the Ottawa Business Journal. Behind the Headlines is a podcast that explores the most popular local business stories. We produce this podcast every couple weeks. We are changing up the format today. Uh, going forward, our first segment will be focused on a conversation that I have with my colleague David Sally at the Ottawa Business Journal. We will also continue in our second segment to talk to our legal experts and our sponsors from Nelligan Law. Thanks, thanks to them. And our final segment, and this is the new part, is we'll be talking to a newsmaker. And this week, in fact, we're going to be talking to a local technology executive uh, with way more than 25 years of experience uh, in Ottawa's tech sector. And we'll be talking to him about venture capital financing. But let's kick off, as promised, with our first segment that involves my colleague from the Ottawa Business Journal. Hello, Dave Sally. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? All right. I'm, I'm eager to uh, get this going, Dave. So our yeah. first story is admittedly a very geeky one. Uh, it involves um, the level of venture capital that is invested from private sector investors into technology companies in Canada. The news hook here for the local people is that um, this analysis was just done for the first half of the year, and they grouped all these investments into companies by city so that they could rank the top 10 um, venture capital deals going into those various cities. So here's, drumroll please, the news headline is that Ottawa wasn't in the top 10. In fact, we were behind even companies, uh, excuse me, even cities like Quebec City, Dave, what the heck's going on? Well, Mike, uh, this is um, a continuation of a bit of a downward trend we've seen over the last few quarters for Ottawa. I mean, uh, you know, back you've been uh, you've been you've been watching the the you know the Ottawa business scene closely for decades, and you know that I mean, back in the heyday, um, Ottawa was getting you know hundreds of millions of dollars of VC capital every year, right? And um, and for a while there, the last few years, we were doing pretty well. We had our ascent compliances, uh, obviously Shopify getting that huge hundred million plus uh, injection of capital. But lately, the um, you might say the pipeline is, uh, has dried up considerably when it comes to venture capital here in the city. Um, and in fact, uh, as you mentioned, um, in the first half of 2021, um, you know, we no longer, uh, we weren't even in the top 10 anymore uh, in, among Canadian cities for getting, um, for getting financing. Uh, uh, last year, we ranked fifth uh, in the first half of the year with 16 deals for a total of 83 million. Um, th th this year, according to CPE Analytics, which tracks these things regularly, um, I don't know where we were because they only do the top 10 cities. So, I mean, you had... Um, you had Halifax in there, uh, you had Burnaby, BC, Fredericton, Saskatoon, but no Ottawa. Um, now, uh, now, granted, last year's six-month total 
of 83 million, that would have been good enough for ninth on this year's list. So, you know, these things do fluctuate. And I've talked to, to a lot of people in the startup community in, uh, in the city here, and they'll tell you that, uh, that these things are kind of cyclical, that it depends. I mean, some years we've had like a Shopify that's, you know, a company that's just really uh, uh, has an idea whose time has come or Ascent Compliance a couple of years ago, that, that, uh, that, that compliance monitoring um, uh, segment just really exploded. We just haven't, we haven't had that lately among a software company. And, uh, and so they say that, you know, um, a lot of people I've talked to aren't extremely um, concerned about this, but, you know, they, they will bounce back is basically the, the general consensus that right now we're in a bit of a low point, uh, um, a bit of a trough, if you will. Um, but, uh, y y you know, there's, there's the hope, the optimism that, hey, we've got this new generation of startups emerging some, um, you know, at least a couple of them are, are, are going to rise to the top out of there and start to land some bigger deals. But when exactly that's going to happen, well, who knows? It's anybody's guess. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think I heard you there. So um, we don't know if this is a blip um, or a longer trend. Uh, but certainly, as you indicated, you know, if I think back to being at OBJ in the late 1990s and early 2000s, I mean, uh, Ottawa would have been probably number one. I don't know that for a fact, but we probably would have been number one in terms of venture capital flow, and that's really turned off. So, I mean, maybe we'll conclude that it's something we will certainly keep on looking about. And by the way, I teased uh, just a minute ago that we're going to have a newsmaker. Well, our newsmaker is one of those local experts, so we'll ask him what the heck's going on. So, Dave, uh, let's go to story number two, and it's equally kind of tricky and thorny to, to sort all of this out. I, I mean... Uh, I think it's a, it's pretty clear, but uh, not everyone does. Uh, we're going to talk about mandatory vaccine policies. So, you know, I think about a couple of weeks ago, if I'm reading this right, kind of Justin Trudeau kicked it off by saying federal government employees will need to be uh, vaccinated. Uh, in from a, There'll be a mandatory policy, to be more specific, and then federally regulated industries. So that meant like banks and that meant airlines and transportation companies. But I guess you wrote a story to try to check in with the private sector companies in Ottawa. So all of that movement in, from the feds and federally regulated means that private companies need to sort it out. What are they telling you, Dave? Well, Mike, um, as you say, this is a, a little bit of a, of a thorny topic, but um, but I don't know. I think uh, we are kind of seeing the, the momentum clearly uh, turning in favor of mandatory vaccine policies. It's like, just took a couple of dominoes to start that, uh, you know, to start the track. And um, not surprisingly, one of the first, as it has been throughout the pandemic in so many ways, whether it's remote work first or uh, now with vaccines, Shopify, uh, Toby Lutke, the, the CEO of Shopify, he tweeted out uh, just about two weeks ago now, you know, we're going to be requiring everybody who wants to meet up in the office, all our shop, all our employees of Shopify, if you want to get together and meet in the office, you have to prove you have uh, both doses uh, of the vaccine. And he said, why? Because science. And uh, well, a lot of other companies I've been talking to over the last week or so, they're following Shopify's lead. Uh, they tend to agree with Mr. Lutkin and say that, you know what, um, if we want to make, we well, first of all, they have a legal duty re requirement to, to provide a safe workplace to their employees. And 
Uh, most of them feel like the best way to do that is to require uh, everybody who wants to come to the office in person to be fully immunized. So uh, for instance, um, Alan Ville, the uh, chief executive of Clipfolio, a well-known shop, uh, well-known uh, software uh, company here in the downtown core, uh, you know, he said he, he summed it up pretty, uh, pretty straightforward uh, in a pretty straightforward way. He said it's a doing the right thing issue, uh, and you know, he believes that to do the right thing uh, to protect his workers, they're going to require them uh, to be double vaccinated if they want to come into the office. This isn't like a you better get vaccinated or we're going to fire you. No, if you're not, if you choose not to get the jab, um, well, then you simply can't come into the office. Um, and uh, other companies uh, maybe uh, as of yet haven't quite um, established a formal policy in that regard, but they're leaning towards it. Uh, David Ross from Ross Video, uh, he told me they're still working on their vaccination policy and they didn't want to share details yet. Um, another uh uh, CEO of a, of a major Canada uh, firm, he said his company is definitely leaning towards um, requiring uh, its workers to be fully vaccinated if they want to be on site so, um, or, uh, or submit uh, to, uh, to on-site testing if you, are, uh, if you do have an exemption. And, and in speaking on the exemption issue, I talked to some lawyers in town who basically said it's a fairly cut and dried issue from a legal perspective. Uh, there are really um only two reasons um uh, why a worker can refuse to get vaccinated under the ontario human rights code either um either you uh you subscribe to a religion that forbids vaccinations or you have a proven disability or medical condition that prevents you from getting immunized so yeah. those are really uh the only two caveats sort of to uh, be, uh to the situation otherwise um, an, an employer has every right uh, to compel uh, his employees to get vaccinated if they if they want to if they want to actually be uh, in the office um, mingling among their coworkers. Yeah, um, every right and a responsibility. Um, mm -hmm. Is it one of the um, uh, this is one of those issues that seems to build momentum, right, Dave? So I think if you know that the story we just talked about was uh, a few days old now. And I bet if you were to interview people again, I think really the, the opinion is firmed up, both from legal experts um, and those company CEOs. I, I think they were just a little cautious, right? So we're, yeah. I think everyone's just a little cautious and very sensitive to employees, right, uh, on those issues. So probably has resolved itself for the most part, would you say? Yeah, I would think so. I think you're, you may not exactly, may, maybe there, maybe companies aren't going to publicly come out like Shopify did and, uh, and announce it uh, to the world on Twitter. But yeah, I think you are going to see these type of policies become widespread and uh, the rule rather than the exception uh, in the not too distant future. Well, thanks for all that reporting, Dave. And uh, we'll see you next episode. Thanks very much. Thanks, Mike. So listen, talking about mandatory vaccines, uh, we've got a great legal expert lined up right now from Nelligan Law. Please welcome Malini Vijay Kumar, an associate lawyer in the firm's employment and labor practice group. Welcome, Malini. Thanks, Michael. It's good to be back. Yeah. So last time we talked about uh, mandatory vaccines and we spoke about, um, you know, what might happen as it pertains to federal employees and employees in federally regulated industries. Uh, today, I wanted to get your insight, uh, Malini, on the process. You know, so 
if in fact uh, the federal government or uh, or those other uh, companies in, in federally regulated industries wants to impose mandatory vaccines, they can't just snap their finger and make it happen. There's a proper process, uh, as is often the case in employment law, right, Malini? So what is the, the process that someone would need to follow if an employer, in fact, wants to institute mandatory vaccines? So there's nothing cut and dried, but generally speaking, employment law doesn't like, you know, big sweeping changes sprung on employees at the last minute. So, um, you know, it's going to be hard for uh, employers to do uh, a requirement that says, for example, starting Monday, everyone has to be back in the office and everyone has to be fully vaccinated. And if you don't, uh, we're going to terminate your employment for cause. That would almost certainly uh, not fly in terms of employment law. Uh, but if we're looking at something more gradual, I think that would probably be more justifiable. Something like, okay, starting uh, you know next week, if you want to come into the office, we're going to ask that you be prepared uh, to you know have proof of both your vaccines. We'll have a grace period by which, uh, if you haven't had your vaccines yet and you need to come in, we'll still you know adhere to obviously all the public health rules like masking and so on. Uh, and then after that, you know, if you want to come in, you have to be vaccinated. And then at some date in the future, we may consider requiring people to come in and be vaccinated to come in. And in any situation, uh, you know, the duty to accommodate is there if you need an accommodation uh, because you can't get a vaccine uh, due to a disability or something like that. Please speak with your manager. So that's the framework roughly of what we can expect to see, I think. So, so what I heard there, very important, is that timeliness, you know, the, the, the time factor will be key. You can't just, again, snap your finger and say tomorrow morning or Monday, uh, what have you. Um, let's let's dig in a little bit to the uh, duty to accommodate, which is, which is a little bit of a legal term in employment law, uh, but an important one. So just because an employer might say, you know, we're going to insist on mandatory uh, vaccines, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to agree. Agree, and as I understand it, Malini, that's when the duty to accommodate comes into play. So expand on that a little bit. Yeah. So the the duty to accommodate under human rights legislation comes into play uh, where you have an accommodation need based on a protected ground under that legislation, and that that last part's really important. Um, you know, we've seen some, for example, conscientious objectors to the vaccine who don't have a, a disability related reason or a religious related reason, let's say, for objecting, they, they just don't wanna get it. Um, that actually is not protected under human rights legislation. It has to be based on something like uh, your disability, your age, uh, your religion, something that's actually set out as a human rights ground of protection. That's a, that's excellent. So that and and it's good to hear. So that you, you an employee can't simply say I don't believe in vaccines, so I'm not going to listen to your employment uh, regulation here. That's that's really important. Uh, listen, Molyneux, as uh, as I said last time, thanks so much. You've done such a good job at uh, filling us in, and such an important issue to dig into these employment law issues. Uh, hope to see you soon again. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. And thanks again to Nelligan Law for its sponsorship of this podcast. Well, it's time 
for uh, our much ballyhooed newsmaker interview. I'm pleased to welcome uh, today a veteran of Ottawa's technology uh, scene. Way back in 1998, just before I became editor of Ottawa Business Journal, he uh, formed a company called Skypoint uh, Capital. And for the past seven years, um, our guest has acted as the executive managing director of Elspark, which is an accelerator based in Canada for market-ready software as a service and cloud companies. Please welcome the great Leo Lax. There's well, Leo. Well, thank you very much for the introduction. I'm not sure how great I am, but I'm really appreciate to be here and be able to talk to your audience. And maybe we can give them some information that they were hoping to hear from today. Yeah, absolutely. You've always been on my radar, Leo. Uh, you formed Le at Skypoint in 98. I came on board in 1999. And through my entire career at OBJ, I've always thought that you're doing fantastic work, well, work uh, here in Ottawa. So let's dig into, as, as uh, indicated, we're going to talk today about venture capital statistics. So of course, Leo, there are people that compile all these venture capital statistics on a quarterly and semi-annual basis. Um, one of the latest reports suggested for the first time that I can remember that Ottawa in the first half of 2021 wasn't in the top 10. So we were way behind big cities like Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal. And that's, you know, maybe that's normal these days, but we're also behind Quebec City, Calgary, Saskatoon, Fredericton, Burnaby, uh, uh, BC, and, and Halifax. So does, Leo, you've been involved in the tech sector for so long, and you've been involved in financing. Does that concern you when when you see Ottawa not in the top 10? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. I, I mean, the venture capital organization, the venture capital industry is a diverse industry, Canada-wide, a wide range of different types of companies. And, and actually, Ottawa is known largely by its entrepreneurship activities. Yes, we have amazingly large companies as well that have been part of the Ottawa ecosystem you know, anywhere from the historical days of Mitel, Newbridge, JDS, uh, and Nortel and the like, BlackBerry and so on, all the way to the later cohorts, which are the more younger companies. So it's always been an entrepreneurial environment. So when you're looking at statistics, where you're aggregating all of the money that's coming in, you will find that the areas that have the larger companies will, of course, attract larger amounts of money and we at this point in ottawa have a lot of emerging companies and a lot of established public companies and in this particular case the venture capital industry of course is in the private company investment area and i would say in ottawa we are emerging from what i would call something that historically was known as the nuclear winter where the tech industry was uh, under stress, and particularly the industry that Ottawa has been known for, which is the telecom industry, was even more under stress at that time. The good news is that we are emerging from that. Yeah, and let, let me just dig into that, and, and then I'm going to ask you about Elspark, uh, Leo. So if we were to go back to your early days at SkyPoint, like 1999, 2000, and you know Ottawa was in kind of a supercharged economy at that point, and we saw a billion dollars invested in 1999 and 2000, I think what I just heard in your answer is there has been an evolution in the cities and the region's technology sector, and we were at that point, you know, big on photonics and telecom, 
and then we kind of went into more of a SaaS mode, and we'll we'll talk about Elspark uh, in a second. But you're saying the nature of the companies in the technology ecosystem in Ottawa is different, and therefore that's why we're not seeing as many venture capital deals. Did I did I understand that correctly? Uh, yes, I I think you think of it as waves, and okay. we if you wanted to look at it very globally, we had a communication wave switching from. I'll say the word analog communication to digital communications and Ottawa was one of the leaders in initiating that and growing with that. Today, and then as that has became known and the digital communication world became normal, if you will, the application system started to come in, application software, uh, large enterprise software capabilities. And, and in many cases, we were uh, inside the Ottawa world, there were fewer. Uh, initiatives in that area. They were still had fairly large ones. BlackBerry, for instance, can access, you know, companies like that were emerging. And of course, more recently, Shopify. And I think what's happening now is those are the companies that are getting to be in the later stages of their growth. And as they do become more in the later stages of the growth, they attract larger and larger amounts of investment from the community. An early stage company will absorb one to $10 million in their initial few years of their uh, growth. A later stage company that is maybe already 50 to $100 million in revenue could absorb multiple hundreds of million dollars in their growth. And that's when you aggregate it and you put it all together, then you get more mature companies attracting larger amount of money. And in Ottawa right now, we are just starting to get those companies to a mature state. Uh, that was fantastic. Thank you for that uh, historical perspective and and analytical uh, breakdown of uh, kind of where we're at. Leo, I, I, before we wrap up, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your your latest passion. Of course, you're, as indicated, the executive managing director of LSpark. So maybe give us uh, the elevator pitch for LSpark, but more importantly, tell us, uh, are you hopeful? So you work shoulder to shoulder in this accelerator uh, with both startups and, and probably established companies. Are you hopeful for the companies coming out of Elspark? It is an amazing time. I really think so, especially per as we are getting to a new transition. Our entire world is moving on from a uh, lightly connected environment where we were connected through telephones and voice in the past to a heavily connected environment where we are connected through mobile phones, digital equipment, a uh, variety of devices that you, you wear on your wrist and you connect with your headsets. And all of these connections are new and they are creating a brand new world and a brand new set of opportunities. I am hopeful that we are gonna be able to participate in that enormous investment that is now putting in place by the major communication environment, the large carriers around the world, multiple hundreds of billions of dollars. And that investment is gonna open a set of applications which early stage companies and entrepreneurs who we normally would deal with and help can actually participate in. And hopefully we can show them the way to become successful. Leo, what a pleasure to have you on your on the show today. Thank you so much for your time and your insights. All the best to you and all the best to your audience. Take care and we'll see you in the upside. Yeah, let's hope. 
Uh, thanks again. That was Leo Lax uh, from Elspark. Of course, he's the executive uh, managing director, and Elspark uh, is, uh, as he said, ex uh, helping many local firms with their uh, acceleration uh, of technology companies, specifically in the software as a service. So, listen, it's uh, all the end of the episode now. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to remind everyone that you can watch or listen to this podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. You probably figured that out if you're on that channel. If you're on YouTube, by the way, make sure to like, subscribe, and click the bell button to get notified of new video content from Ottawa Business Journal. You can also listen to this podcast on platforms such as Spotify, Apple, uh, Google, SoundCloud, Twitch, so on and so forth. I encourage everyone, if you're a real hardcore local business fanatic, then you need to visit obj.ca website throughout your workday. It's uh, updated on a regular basis. And if you don't want to miss any of the uh, headlines, then the thing to do is to subscribe to our daily or weekday email newsletter, I should say Monday to Friday. It's called OBJ uh, Today. And you can sign up to some information on your screen or you're not seeing that, go to obj.ca slash newsletter slash sign up. Thanks for tuning in today. Stay healthy and stay connected. Hope to see you real soon. Bye-bye.